Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The following is a paid program. The views or claims made are not necessarily those of WILK staff, management, or sponsors. It's time for Laurie and Lynn. Local talk to start your weekend right. And now, Laurie and Lynn on WILK. Good morning. How are you? Good morning. What's happening? Oh, lots. It's just, it's so interesting to see how things are um, popping up and coming back you know, into the world again, and it's it's just really neat to see this. I, I'm I'm very happy to see it. I'm glad the numbers are going down, but I have to say, I'm very concerned about this new wave of the virus that's popping up in China. They are concerned about it. They're letting us know, like they should have done earlier, but. Um, it's really not good. And I think in a lot of the states where people have just ignored the social distancing in this country, starting to see the numbers go up again. So that concerns me. But at the same time, um, I'm thrilled about the fact that we can go back out and sit outside in restaurants. It's good. How about you? Well, I am... I am I'm concerned with and again you know when you look at the numbers in the states that are all they're all like the southern you know states in the sense yep. that um with reinfection reinfections and all this other stuff I mean I I totally understand everybody's frustration about wanting to it's summer and do what they want to do and I get it and the masks are hot and they're this that. I get it all and I'm right there but I I am so leery of these major events, play, things that are happening that um, where there is some people are wearing masks, but social distancing is not happening. Um, and mm-hmm. it's scary. I mean, we've, here's how I look at it. We've come so far by paying, following the rules, most of us. Um, why, why should you jeopardize all that work that everybody's done for the last couple months? So I, I do get a little nervous about it. Um, I'm, I'm really good at, at not going and doing those kind of things. Um, I did go twice to, um, restaurants that were outdoors lunch and, um, 
I was fine with doing that. Um, but you do forget, I will say, you do forget, um, I did, like, because it seemed so normal that I almost forgot to, like, use my hand sanitizer when I got in my car. Like, I, I just wasn't mm -hmm. thinking. And, and uh, everywhere else I, was, I would go, grocery stores, wherever, I would do it immediately. I didn't. And then I had to re realize I, wait a minute, snap back here. So yep. it, it, yep. it, it, I get what they say, that people will start um, loosening their own uh, precautions. And I and I get that. So I'm 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 cautiously optimistic. Let's put it that way. I be I can't wait for hair salons and stuff like that to come back. But again, we waited this long. We I'll do what I'll we'll do what we have to do. You know. So yeah. um, and you know you just the people who, you know these people just want to get back. It's their livelihood. It's it's just it's horrible. Yeah, so, I'm gonna uh, a little later on. I'm gonna read something about a um, a woman physician who um, is a pulmonologist and how she has had mentally had to deal with all of what she's been doing, and it's really quite frightening. And I don't think that enough people understand that aspect of the disease. All they which, know which is that. The, the, I'm talking about the the inability to breathe and the um, and the respir respirators and all that stuff. It's it, you, you don't really understand what that is and how that works. And I think for most of us, we think of COVID as you know flu-like um, symptoms and um, a lot of muscle pain, a lot of um, congestion, and all that kind of stuff. And we think of it as something like a glorified flu, when in fact, when you do read about what it is that some of these physicians and nurses have observed in the hospital with this disease, it is absolutely horrible. It is so frightening. And yet the kids, and I say put that in quotes, the kids who are out there, you know, in the on the beaches, at the amusement parks, on the boardwalks, even the people who are out protesting who don't understand the significance of this might have a different perspective on it if they read some of this stuff or see some of what goes on. But, of course, with the HIPAA rules, you can't, you can't talk about specifics unless somebody allows you to do that. Well, you're not going to be allowing people to do it. I mean, some people have come forth after they've been through the horrible time of COVID-19 and fully recovered. But I haven't seen any of them talk about what they actually went through and what it's like. So I, I'm just saying that it concerns me that even though there are high-risk populations, which we all know about that, and a lot of the grocery stores have been very accommodating to allowing people like that to shop at different times. But it's, you know, it's still the fact is that younger people are getting the disease more frequently than older people, but their course of action on it is not as severe as it would be if there was an underlying condition. But nevertheless, they're still able to pass it on to people. And they don't, they just don't get that part. 
So uh, I don't know what the answer is. I mean, I think we're we're doing it, but the same time people say, I don't care what they tell me. I, if I don't open up my farm or if I don't do this, I'll lose my business. Well, yes, you might lose your business, but at the same time, there are so many opportunities with government funding and private funding to help people stay in business until this is over. And I don't know that people actually know how to go about doing that, and that's something that isn't being uh, spoken about as much as it should be. Every once in a while I see something, or you watch it on television, uh, we've donated X amount of dollars to helping people during this COVID-19 thing. And then another company will say, we've made this much available, and this one, and this one. But there's no clearinghouse for this information. That is a problem to me. You should be able to call a number and say, I need unemployment benefits, I need a transitional housing, I need um, money to support my business uh, while it's closed, I need money to put it back together again once I open it because I have to throw out all the inventory and start all over. I have to build patios, I have to, I've seen all that happening, but there should be some place where people can go that they can get all the answers but i don't see that and that's a, well, and especially that's a big with, vulnerability and especially with this unemployment people are telling me they still haven't received their checks they can't yeah. get through on the lines and then and then they say there's no you, you know you you don't have there's no jobs and there's no well get people trained in that and hire them to do this and, and no different yeah. than you call these places and, and they want you to continue to do business with them, but they're like, due to COVID-19, we have less people on staff. Well, why? If you're expecting to do it um, remotely, why? You do, why? Mm-hmm. I don't understand I don't that understand either. that. I don't either. doesn't make any sense to me. Because people are so, still working and they're home. So why don't you That's let what me I do mean. that? I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't get it. Uh, later on, when we come back after this break, I have a whole bunch of things that came out from this experience of what, what they're calling the new normal and how that has affected how we are doing business and how we will be doing business. And some of that is, is very much like what we talked about before, you know, and just a few minutes ago about things we don't understand. I think the biggest issue is that what this forced us to reckon with is our vulnerabilities as a society in a lot of ways, a lot of ways. And it's not something we ever thought about, but because we've become so much more interconnected through things like social media, it's also a disadvantage in that we are now reliant upon that to get us through life rather than the social interaction we used to have. And now that we don't have that, and you, you to me are a classic example, Laura. I mean, so much of your business is because of you knowing so many people and taking the time to get to know so many people. And that you do by being on boards where you are together it's going out for lunch it's going out to um, events you're actually interacting with people all the time 
And when you take that component away from your business, it makes it far more difficult. A apart from the COVID-19 issue, assuming that's resolved, it's still gonna be a harder thing for people like you whose business depends on interacting with other people, the sales leads, anything like that, to function because you just won't have that anymore. Yeah, and it's so, and that's the stuff I that know. I yeah, and I miss all that. I get more energy and we talked about this from people mm -hmm. than I do from not being with people. So, I mean, yeah. I know some people feel it's draining. I, I, it can be after a while. Any kind of human connection, constant being on, can drain anybody. But I, I get much more energy, and I know because I, if there's some times that I maybe don't feel like, eh, the more as soon as I start or meet or or have a meeting or do what I need to do with the, I just get get all my energy right back. It's um, mm -hmm. it's it's a wonderful feeling. So I do miss. I do miss the connection to people um, and just the normal go up and hug and kiss and, and touch people. I, that's how I am. And it's, it's mm -hmm. very difficult and you just don't know what you should be doing because you don't know how people react. So I just always err on the side of, of caution, but I, I can't wait for that part to, to come back because I do miss all of that social stuff. I just, I just get so much out of it. And yes, my business is relies on that. Thank God I've been doing this stuff for so long uh, uh, that, you know, it's not like I'm newly out there and trying to form these relationships, although I try to form new relationships as often as I possibly can because you never know what may happen down the road. So that is the yeah. other thing I miss. I like and want and need stimulation from other people i just it's just mm -hmm. i thrive on it so um you know so let's get get this thing done and move forward lynn so i can keep well, going I, I don't know Lori, that it's ever going to be that way anymore ah, you know, i don't know either but i know <laughs> i know but i just think that this you know we we are as as human beings, we're very adaptable to our environment. Yes. So I think yes. that we'll find new ways. And even if it is things like Zoom and things like that, we will find ways to make things uh, more accessible to people. And I, and I see that, you know, during this whole thing with COVID-19 and people not being able to have visitors and family around, especially when someone has reached the point where they say they will not survive, the fact that you cannot be there and next to your loved one, what the nurses are doing is ending up with tablets, uh, you know, like iPads and bringing them in and putting them on the chest to somebody who's there and, and they get a chance to see them and speak to them. That's adaptive, but it's not, it just doesn't cut it, you know, from the world that we're used to. Well, yeah, so, so and, but you're right, they are doing it. So we're, we're going to talk more about what you want that story when we come back. Yep. We're going to take a very quick break. You're listening to Laurie and Lynn Show, and we will be right back. It's Saturday morning with Lori and Lynn. Now, back to Lori and Lynn.
Hi, my name is Lynn Evans. I am Managing Director and Financial Planner of Women of Substance, LLC, which is a financial planning firm devoted specifically to the needs of baby boomer women. I'm also the host of a podcast called Power of the Purse that's uh, available on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. And I'm Laurie Cadden, the owner of Laurie Cadden Enterprises, which is a fundraising PR and special event business. Okay, so. And here we are. Here we are. Um, I'm looking at some information that came from uh, the AARP bulletin, uh-huh. the June issue, relative to the big overarching um, theme of this is the new normal. So uh, we've all heard the term. We all have some idea of what that means. But in this case, I think we're talking about some very different, in some ways very exciting, in other ways very sad um, changes to our environment and the way we interact with people. The first one is an article with uh, Dr. Deborah Burks, who has been front and center next to Dr. Fauci uh, in all the press conferences. She is the U.S. Coronavirus Response Coordinator. That is her official title. And she had some very interesting things to say about all of what happened. And the first thing was, uh, what, what have we discovered about how to treat the virus? We've learned a lot about how to treat the seriously ill. Our hospitals and our doctors and nurses have done an extraordinary job improving the care of the sickest patients. There are nuances about when people need oxygen, how much oxygen they need, and whether they need to go on a ventilator, when that should happen, how they should be positioned. Those are all really critical knowledge that's been improving in hospital and in ICU care. And then the question, what kind of changes do you believe will occur in the U.S. healthcare system as a result of this? She had two very interesting responses. Number one, we know where every ICU bed and ventilator is in the country. Having that up-to-date inventory is important when you're managing any pandemic. We have much more visibility across the country into what the healthcare system has and how it needs to be additionally supported. And secondly, we clearly know that you need to take better care of yourself. You need to ensure your hypertension is under control, your diabetes is under control. If you have those risk factors, people need to immediately protect themselves. And then she said, any other lessons learned? We've discovered how vulnerable our long-term care facilities are to infectious disease. Our Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services Group is always focused on infection control in nursing homes. But we've learned how even more critically important it is that nursing homes have excellent infection control. What have we learned to help us change our behaviors? I hope that out of this comes significant recommendations that this is fascinating to me, to decrease human exposure to wild animals. It's the wild what? animals that we, yeah, it's the wild animals 
that we don't have everyday exposure to. We have no ability to handle their viruses, particularly if they jump to us. HIV came out of wild animals. Ebola comes out of animals in the wild, and we believe that COVID-19 came out of animals in the wild. Anytime a virus moves from an animal to a human, humans have no immunity. That's what's been so difficult with this particular virus. I don't know about you, but I never knew that. I thought Me it was either. in a lab somewhere. No, apparently it came from a wild animal. Go figure. I thought it was bats. Is, is, bat, is a bat a wild animal? I, I guess. I, I don't know what she doesn't think it, but uh, that is fascinating to me. So anyway, um, as the states reopen, what advice can we offer older people? We want to make clear that we still have significant concerns about people with pre-existing conditions and the elderly. We know that they are the most susceptible to a more serious outcome both hospitalization and potential fatality. People with pre-existing conditions should stay home. When going out, they should use a mask. And then they asked her the question about the risk of reinfection for those who've already been ill. She said that probably won't happen because as soon as you get something like this, your body builds up an immunity. And then if it was reintroduced in your system, it would come back with the immunity even quicker and faster. That doesn't make sense. All right. <laughs> Quicker and more intensely is what I meant to say. And then um, will we find patient zero, which I think is a fascinating story. Patient zero is the first person who got this. I didn't even know that that was a thing, but apparently patient zero is the first person to have contracted the disease. She said, you will absolutely be able to get that level of clarity, including in which countries the travelers from China began that initial spread, country by country. There are extraordinary, and here's the thing, didn't know this existed either, evolutionary molecular biologists who can really figure this out for us. They'll be able to recreate in great detail where the virus came from, how it traveled around the globe, and where different countries had seeds of that virus introduced and when they were introduced. Can we develop a universal wow. vaccine? She said, for different strains of the virus. She said the coronaviruses in general are fairly stable in their protein matrices. That's the good part. Of course, we don't have experience with this virus. The hope is a vaccine that is made today against COVID-19 will work tomorrow and will work a year from now. And then she said, how, the question was, how can you learn about searching for a vaccine? She said, any American can go to the NIH website that's called clinicaltrials.gov. It lists every single trial that's going on, every clinical trial, and whether it's vaccines or therapeutics, so Americans can stay informed. That was extremely enlightening to me. I did well, not you know, know. You know. Wow. You, you know what else fascinates me? Because I, you just don't. I don't think about it because it doesn't enter my thought process. I'm so opposite of this kind of work. Is and are these scientists who do this type of like? What did you say? Molecular what? 
something <laughs> evolutionary. Evolutionary. I mean, think about think about um, these people and the work that they're doing. That, like, one thing about this is this is sure as heck shining a major light on the sciences. Really? Yes. Mm-hmm. And why it yep. is this is spinning off to so important for young girls to be in that why so many don't i mean so many are now and and there it's not just men but you know that's why that stem program and steam were were adapt adopted right to 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 yep. encourage and give young women the uh desire and the need to go into the sciences the technology and stuff that's exactly correct. I mean, the, the point is that the more we see that, um, to me, it's exciting. I mean, it is I, exciting. It's amazing. It, it is. It's amazing the things you can come up with. And it's also frustrating because when you do these things, you think you've got a trial and you think this might work and you walk it through the system and you go through all the testing and all of a sudden it fails. Well, you know, what's the story about Einstein, how many times he tried to create the light bulb? It took him thousands of attempts to come up with that, but he did. So it's that if you have that stick-to-itiveness in your personality and you're willing to pass through um, all those negative things that happen and all the failures, this is just the kind of thing. You save mankind. Man, you do the salt vaccines. You do the saving vaccine. All that stuff made a huge difference in the world. It's a lasting impression. I think whoever comes up with the right thing, the vaccine, I hope that they allow the person to be recognized. Because generally speaking, it comes under... Um, you know, you, you, your patents uh, are not yours. If you work for a company like Genentech or something like that, where you come up with uh, the answer to a, a problem, to a, a health situation, you don't get credit for it, the company does. You sign off on that stuff when you become an employee in biology fields. That's too bad, because I think this particular one would change the world, as it has already done. But anyway, keep at it, keep at it. Okay, so then the thing is the new normal, what comes next? And this is some experts, of course, you know, what's an expert? It's somebody who lives out of town. Experts predict how the pandemic will change our lives. And the first one, Laurie Cadden, is wave goodbye to handshakes. The very personal greeting of clasped hands that dates back to ancient Greece is out the window for the foreseeable future. Says well, Harvard how about hugs? We could hug. Uh, no, 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 can't do that. That's not good either. It's, uh, you know, <laughs> it's the old deal where you bump elbows. That's, that's about as much as you can do. I can't do um, that. I know. Well, it says, you know, this is the way it's going to be. You won't enter a supermarket or an office building without a sanitizing wipe or a blast yep. of Purell or some other hand cleanser. Yeah. Um, but that's just a gateway to sparking new realm of electrostatic sprays and ultraviolet light wands aimed at sterilizing a nation where some one in three of us now identifies 
germaphobes. Did uh-huh. you see uh, what they were doing for the airplanes? They had the wands, and the wands yeah. went over everything, and that's the way it's going to be. That plus... Um, well, in all honesty, that should have been that... Lynn, uh, yeah. A lot of this stuff should have been done anyway, when you Absolutely. think about it. A lot of Absolutely. it should have been done. Yep. Because it's freaky. It's, you know, when you do think about it, if you really, if you really let your mind wander to the things you touch and the things that you do on a daily basis that everyone else was doing too, it's a little freaky. <laughs> it's a little freaky. It is. It is a I know. It is. Know. It is freaky. It, it's, um, it, it just kind of makes you think longingly for those days. You know, when you could do just that, you shake somebody's hand and go up to them and give them a hug and a kiss. What's good? Here's what I want to know. What's going to happen to that good old-fashioned passion kiss? What's um, going to happen to that? Be, that that's going to be risky. <laughs> you know, like, what if you're just dating someone? Seriously, you're just starting a new relationship, and you, you, you know, you want to smooch that. What do you do then? I guess you do it. <laughs> yeah, I guess you do. Take that risk, baby. Dear yeah, God. Well, oh, yeah, boy. Well, we're going to take a... I think we're taking a quick break on no, that. No, not yet. Not yet. Not yet? yet? No, not yet. I'm I sorry. think you so. Right. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yes. I'm looking at the wrong clock. Okay. Yeah, yes. there we go. All right. Well, we'll be right back. You're listening to Laurie and Lynn Show. It's Saturday morning with Lori and Lynn. Now, back to Lori and Lynn. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. You're listening to the Lori and Lynn Show. I'm Lori Cadden, and I'm the owner of Lori Cadden Enterprises, which is a fundraising PR and special event business. And I am Lynn Evans. I am the managing director of a company called Women of Substance LLC. It's a financial planning firm designed specifically for the needs of baby boomer women. I'm also the host of a podcast called Power of the Purse. And that's um, available on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and uh, there's another one there. (laughs) Anywhere you listen to podcasts. All right, so... I have to say, I have a correction here. Um, I said Einstein before. I was talking about Einstein. Einstein's attempt to create the light bulb, and thankfully, Ms. Cadden pointed out to me that it was not Einstein, but it was Thomas Edison. So I knew that, and I don't know why the word Einstein came out, but it did. At least it began with a D. You think he right, that's good we think he, he's smart enough for everything, so what the heck? That's true. You just throw it all at that's him, he it. does it. That's right. Okay. All right. So we were talking about the changes now. And before we get into that, I do want to say one thing I have a shout out. I wanted to uh, make the announcement of, if I could find the piece of paper that I had it with. Um, Dr. Linda Brace, who is a friend to all of us, um, she actually is starting a new position on July 1st as the... Uh, I'm part of a team of cardiologists of the Women's Specialty Center at Mainline Health, King of Prussia. Uh, it's at Lankenau Heart Institute. Yep. And she is, uh, 
She's starting on July 1st, and she hopes that some of her patients, if not all of them, will come to join her. And now that we have telemedicine, it may be significantly easier for us to do that. So if you're looking uh, to try to reach Dr. Brace, you can find her at the Women's Specialty Center, and that's at 120 Valley Green Lane in King of Prussia. And, I love uh, it. Good there, for her. July 1st. Congratulations, Dr. Yeah, Marais. wait, let's clap. Yay! Yay! All right. All right. <laughs> okay. She's so the back. Back to our uh, the new normal. So we have to start not doing handshakes, not doing kisses, not doing any of that other business. And um, that's just kind of bumping the elbows is the way it's going to be. The government order for hundreds of millions of N95 masks just won't make it harder, won't just make it harder to hear each other on socially distant walks. Masks could soon draw lines, both personal and political, and between young and old. If you wear one or don't wear one, it sends a message about how seriously you take public health warnings about your views on personal liberties, even about generational differences. At a time in which adults 70 and older rate the threat of COVID-19 as more serious than younger people do, according to a survey. Clean is the new green as businesses begin to make a show of elevated hygiene. Expect lots of public mopping and swabbing Plexiglass walls between you and your cashier or barista, maybe even temperature check stations. These cues bring comfort as more infectious diseases emerge. With that vigilance comes an entirely touchless or distance economy as online ordering becomes the norm for millions and, and a true lifeline for vulnerable older adults. If you've Zoomed or ordered do-it-yourself meals from Blue Apron, Bistro MD, or HelloFresh, or dinner itself by an app like Postmates, Uber Eats, Grubhub, or DoorDash, you're a contributor. Additionally, downloads of shopping apps like Instacart, Walmart Grocery, and Peapod as much as quadrupled in one month. It's using online resources for things people never considered before. Everything from buying shoes, steaks, and bourbon to exercise classes, and it's here to stay. Then there's the truly hands-off, UV-emitting robots like those scouring hospitals in Chicago, I'm sorry, in China and Scandinavia will roll here soon. Amazon has been testing delivery of packages with sidewalk rovers in Snohomish County, Washington, and Irvine, California. FedEx and UPS are testing the same-day drone service to fly in items. We've seen a four-fold increase in our restaurant and grocery delivery orders using robotic vehicles since pre-crisis. And then this one called the knockout punch. The mall, your morning newspaper, dinner and a movie on Saturday night, 
COVID-19 has put them all on the endangered list. And he goes on and talks about all the different things that have been happening. It's just subscriptions to magazines and stuff like that. It's all going to be online. And for the newspapers, that's, this could be the death knell. Um, and simply because people, not because there's anything fundamentally wrong with delivering a newspaper, but because people have now gone online and have no interest in having them delivered. I still love the newspaper. I love to read it. Well, uh, that's the difference between the kids even before this. These younger kids are mm -hmm. much inter more interested. And there's nothing to me better than holding a book, flipping a page in a magazine, yeah. book, and reading a newspaper. There's something... Um, I remember when I was a young kid and my parents used to read and have a cup of coffee, and I would think, oh, God, why did they... And it is exactly what I do, and I just, I don't know, I, I, there's something so nice about a newspaper. I don't, I, yeah. I, I just love it. So I hope that doesn't, because that is, it's, it's, a, it's a good thing. It's a good thing. Well, we'll but see. Time will tell on that We'll one. see what happens, but it's, it's okay if things are online and, and in print. That's okay, too. So we'll see what happens. And then another but, big um, one that we... Cause this is going to be really not nice. I don't particularly like this one. But what? a fear of people. A fear of people. It's more than concern about contagion. Our collective mindset is shifting on everything from stadium gatherings to our dream trips. I don't see any timeline when where athletic events have fans packing the stands. This is a guy who's a publisher and executive editor of a sports business journal. He believes baseball, hockey, and the NBA may play to empty arenas at least into 2021. The exception might be football, which needs fans to work. Now, I don't get that comment at all. When I read it, I said, what is he talking about? Why is that any different than an NBA game or a baseball game, for God's sake? But apparently in his mind, Football needs people in the stadiums to work. But he said, even there, you'll likely see 25 to 30% capacity, higher ticket prices, segmented arrival times, and cordoned off sections to give cautious attendees the luxury of distance. Nobody's excited about being around 75,000 people right now. You know, I wonder about yeah, things well, like uh, the baseball stadiums that are in the process of being built, the football stadiums that they were planning, their billion-dollar ones, even like the arena that we have here for the, the hockey games in, um, in Wilkes-Barre. I, I just I wonder what happens to them. How do they adapt to this? Because when they built them, they built them all on an expectation that there would be a certain dollar amount assigned to each seat so that if you have 100,000 people and each of them are paying 50 bucks, you have, what, $55 million in revenue. So, okay. Well, you know what, Lynn, you know what, what it really is? Have that? What? Well, it's the entire, think about it. It's the entire entertainment uh, field it, it completely. Yes. Because 
almost every form, concert. whether you're going to a concert, whether you're going to a play, whether you're, you're a movie star and you rely on people to watch your movies on the big screen, all of that is with many, many people gathering together. Mm -hmm. So I think that the reason people are saying 2021 is because hopefully by that point, point there will be some form of a um, vaccine because they've been saying that all the while, you know, those kind of things are the last, even with yeah. Broadway Scranton, we, our yeah. first show technically this year is not until February mm -hmm. for this season, which would have been the 2020, 2021 season. And our first, yeah. the, uh, two of three of our last shows within the 2019, 2020 season were canceled. Um, one of them is being redone in January so that they can fill that. But the actual mm -hmm. show for the season does not start until the end of February. And much like all of the Broadway, you know, Broadway in New York, they're looking at a 2021 start, too. So, yeah. Um, and, you know, it's but it is it's all the entertainment industry, if you think about it, mm -hmm. from sports to um to, to like I said, concerts to to theaters, um, movies yeah. to theaters to plays. It, it's all the same. It's all in that realm. Well, the good thing it's about the, the theater, though, not the theater, um, the movies, mm -hmm. is that, and and I say this only from talking to my stepson about it. He said uh, one of the biggest things they have, he's happy they did was to see the distribution of movies move more onto the streaming services rather than yes, expecting but, something from the theaters. Right, but the problem but the is you still have to... Is, yeah, you still have to do it. But you know what the other point they make here is now all the drive-in movie theaters are coming back. I know, which is wonderful. I mean, last I night, it. coincidentally, last night the Scranton uh, Historical Society had a, a mini fundraiser at the Circle Drive-In, and they saw, you know, they, they did, it, it was Jaws. It was Jurassic <laughs> Park the night before. I mean, they, those, okay. those, that's wonderful. But the point I'm making is you still have to have people on a set working with each other and doing the work uh, to yes. produce a movie. Yep. So yep. It, it, regardless of what's streaming or not, maybe something that's already produced. But if you have to produce it yeah. now, it, uh, that's hard to get. To, how are people going to, you know, and again, we go back to what about mud stories and stuff? How are we going to do that? <laughs> you know, I, it's just a little <laughs> bit crazy. It's just a little bit crazy. That's true. How are you going to have yeah. wonderfully uh, passionate scenes when you're not supposed yes. to What are we going to do? <laughs> God. Did you say last week that we're going to have some COVID-19 babies coming up in the fall? I said, that's what they said. No, I didn't. Yeah, but I didn't say. They said they're going to be called quarantine. And when they turn 13, they're going to be called quarantines. But um, that's what they that, that was something I read, which was cute. But anyway, we have to take, we have to sign off yeah. for the week. So Yes. We'll sign off. Yeah. Okay. So we will, we will see you next week, everybody. So thank you so much for listening. Have a good weekend. Be safe and please be nice. Bye. Bye. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. 
And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.